Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, from the New King James Version. And here's what it says. Paul starts off, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Now, we have to just pick up a little bit from the previous chapter because he ends the previous chapter in talking about eating or drinking something that may have been sacrificed to an idol, which would include things we do, things we eat, things we watch on television or whatever, but it could be making somebody else stumble. Even if our conscience is clear, it could be making somebody else stumble. So the last verse of chapter eight says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. That's love. That's love. And then he turns right around and says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Now, what is he saying? He's saying, now, don't think that I don't have the right as an apostle to exercise my freedom and my authority. He's saying, no, I I am an apostle. I do have authority. And so I don't have to just bend over backwards to accommodate everybody's perception, everybody's weakness. Now, as a pastor, I relate to this because there are so many people that have opinions. (laughs) You know, uh, talk about politics, for example. There are some people that would think that I talk too much about politics. I bring up too many political uh, issues at church or in messages. And then there is a whole different group that believes I don't talk about this enough. Like I should be talking about it even more. So it is difficult as a leader often to be able to accommodate everybody's perception. But we have to have grace and love knowing, look, different people see things different way. And sometimes it has to do with their calling. Sometimes it has to do with their assignments. Uh, but other times it's just a difference of perspective, difference of belief. And sometimes some are right and some are wrong. So it's not always just a difference of perspective. Sometimes it is uh, an issue of scriptural morality or the absence of. Well, Paul is saying, though, here, I'm not just saying this, that if my brother's going to stumble over my eating meat, then I won't eat meat anymore. He said, look, I'm an apostle. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus? He said, look, man, I, I am, I've seen Jesus Christ with my own eyes. I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's now validating saying, look, I have, I have certain rights as an apostle, but I'm choosing not to use those rights because I want to walk in love with other people. Oh, what an example this man is. The apostle Paul, he was bold. And he was forthright, but let me tell you, he was a man of love. He's the man who wrote for 1 Corinthians 13, which we'll get to, the love chapter, and says in, at the beginning of chapter 14, look, uh, you need to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So even when we get into being spiritual with spiritual gifts, we still need to do it in love. So notice again, have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not 
my work in the Lord. Verse two, if I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. In other words, not every church that I minister to, write letters to, visit and such may feel this way about me. It may be, in, in other words, uh, it may be controversial. It may be um, arguable as to whether I really am an apostle. He said, but not to you, Corinthians. He said, no, the ministry that's happened with you, you know that I am an apostle of God to you. And he goes on to say, you're the seal of my apostleship. Verse three, my defense to those who examine me in this, my defense to those who examine me in this, do we not, excuse me, do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? Oh, now he just took it a different direction. First, he is relating it back to eating and drinking. He said, don't we have a right as apostles of the Lord to eat and drink according to our own conscience, according to what God has shown us? Do we have to accommodate everybody else's belief? He's saying, no, we, we don't have to, but we're doing it because we love. But then he turns around and he opens this up. He says, uh, do we have no right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord? Now, who are the brothers of the Lord? Well, you remember that the Bible talks about uh, in the Gospels, it lists off James, Joseph, I forget the other ones. I think there were two other ones that it lists off. And uh, James became James, the brother of Jesus, the half brother of Jesus, because, you know, Jesus wasn't the biological son of Joseph, his father. He was uh, of a virgin birth by God. You remember this. But the other brothers were from Joseph and Mary. So these, you'd say, were half brothers. They were as full brothers as you could get, being that their brother Jesus was of a virgin birth. But nonetheless, James, his brother, became the primary leader of the Jerusalem church. James, his brother, was the one that wrote the book of James in the Bible, not Peter, James, and John. That was a different James. See, and so uh, he, he's saying, Paul is saying here, look, what about the other apostles, the brothers of Jesus himself? They're all married. They have godly wives. He said, what about Cephas? Well, who is Cephas? That's Peter. He's saying, Peter's married? Well, we knew that was true even back when he was following Jesus because Jesus healed Peter's wife's mother of a fever. Do you remember that in the Gospels? And so he says, what about all these other apostles? They're married. Don't we have the right to be married? So when he says we, uh, he's apparently talking about himself, talking about Barnabas, talking about others that are with him that may also not be married and are choosing not to be married so that they could give themselves completely to the ministry. See, what you're seeing here are people, men in this case, but representatives of human beings, men and women, who decide, I, I must fulfill my assignment. And so even though I have a right to do this or that, to drink this or that, eat this and that, to marry somebody, uh, they're saying we're not exercising those rights. So notice the heart here and notice the underlying uh, premise of the truth that he's conveying. Just because you have rights does not mean you have to exercise all those rights. Love 
and an allegiance to God, a passion to fulfill his assignment on your life will cause you to forfeit rights that everybody else has. Let me say it this way. So many people say, well, I I don't think you're not going to go to heaven just because you do this or that. Okay, so you're talking about salvation, whether or not you can be saved and do that. But Paul is saying, no, I'm taking it to another level. I'm not talking about whether or not you'll go to heaven. We're not looking for the lowest uh, the lowest requirement of getting slipping into heaven, barely skimming by. No, Paul's saying, I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to love people. I want to bless people. I want to help people. I want to serve people. I want to fulfill my assignment to reach other people. See, so Paul is talking on a, a level of mature believers, not just a level of barely scraping by, you know, stumbling into heaven uh, by the skin of your teeth. No, he's talking about being a mature believer in the Lord, a minister of the gospel. And so he's saying, look, there are other things besides food that I give, I've given up. And one of them is to have a believing wife. You could hear it in his comments. Sure, I'd like to have a wife. Yeah, but if I did then to be the proper husband that I should be, I wouldn't be able to do my ministry like I'm doing it today and just give my life away. So he's saying, I'm giving this life here on earth for the future life. I'm giving away this life for the future life. Oh, what a precious, precious man of God. It's humbling when you read these things and you begin to see these human beings that he's saying, I could do it. No, I could do it. I have every right to do it like Peter and James and others, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it because I've got an assignment that I want to fulfill to reach the people. So he goes on to say in verse 6, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to ref refrain from working? Now he brings up another subject. See, it's all the same underlying premise, but notice what he says. Is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war is at his own expense. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? So all of that was a run on this same concept, and, and he's bringing up a new subject. He's saying, look, I'm an apostle of God to your church, all the Corinthian churches, all the churches of Galatia, all the churches, house churches in the city of Ephesus, etc., etc. I'm an apostle of God. In other words, I could be getting a regular weekly salary. All of you just take a little something because I've been sent to you. I've been sent to minister to you. He said, but we've decided not to do that. We've decided not to do that. Uh, we've decided to work. We've decided to continue to work for ourselves. And so notice, he says, no soldier goes to war and has to, you know, buy his own gun, buy his own uniform and such. No, that's provided by the nation for which he fights. 
He says, bro, well, I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for your church. I'm fighting for your church's well-being and your salvation and such. And am I supposed to provide for myself and fund myself to fight for you? See, so he's making a good case here that people wouldn't think about this if you don't bring it up. This has to do with pastors. This has to do with apostles, even evangelists. You know, how are people supposed to be funded? And notice, uh, come down here to verse 12. If others are partakers of this right, and they were and are today over you, are we not even more? In other words, if there are other apostles and ministers that come and you're blessing them and, and supporting them financially and such, he said, aren't we, Barnabas and I, aren't we even more so apostles that you should be caring for and making sure that you're giving to? Because of our ministry towards you, our care for you, our guidance, our teaching, our training in things. Remember this too. It's not like these people had a Bible. Yeah, there were the scrolls of the Old Testament, but the New Testament had not been written. They were getting their New Testament from the Apostle Paul. And so this was revelation from heaven, precious insight of how to apply the Old Testament as a New Testament believer. How would you know how to do it unless you had somebody like the Apostle Paul who would interpret and apply the old with the new? See, and so the Apostle Paul was their Bible, so to speak. And these letters that he was writing was like their Bibles. This one and 2 Corinthians certainly was. See, and so he said, uh, he said, if anybody has this right to be provided for financially from you, it would be me and us who have ministered to you in this way. Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Now you're going to see his heart come out. He said, we have the right for you to, from your tithe, from your offerings, we have the right to, to partake and to not have to work a secular job to be able to do what we do. He said, but we haven't used that right. Verse 13, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar, the Old Testament Levitical priests and such? Well, they were eating based on those offerings that would come in. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So he said, Jesus commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel, that the income that comes in from people serving the Lord and tithing, they should be partakers of that. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things that I should, that it should be done so for me, for it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting voice. He said, I'm not even saying this now so that you do this for me. He said, I'm just explaining to you that I have rights that I don't use. And what is he saying? You have rights that you shouldn't use. As a mature believer, just because you could do it and still be saved doesn't mean you should. Because there are other things to consider, other people to consider. And Paul is using his own life as an example. Verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for uh, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. If I do it willingly, there's a reward. 
See, we shouldn't be disgruntled if we're going to give up something for the Lord. If we do it willingly, there's a reward. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, Isaiah 119. So that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that by all means, that I might by all means save some. So notice he's just saying, look, if I want to reach Jewish people, I change myself to become Jewish. Of course, Paul was already Jewish. If I want to become Greek, uh, reach Greek, Greek people or people without law, people without knowledge, unbelievers, unchurched, etc. He's not saying I give up my Christianity. He's just saying, but I relate to them and talk in their language so that I can relate the gospel and eventually get them saved. I'll be, I'll change almost anything. That doesn't mean, hey, to the druggie, I'm going to go and do drugs. To the alcoholic, I'm going to go and get drunk. No, but we do relate to them in their own environment, so to speak, but to get them saved, not to become like them and just hanging out with them and and live their lifestyle. He says in, in verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Boy, Paul's doing that, isn't he? He's going after this with everything he's got, giving up wives, giving up financial resource, giving up his freedom, not to be saved, no, but to win the race of his calling. And so he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Verse 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. In other words, self-control is like somebody that is an Olympic athlete that just doesn't eat everything that everybody eats, right? Does, just doesn't partake in what everybody partakes of is temperate in all things. Now they do it for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus or this way, not with uncertainty, not just random. No, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Well, that's Romans chapter, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 9, and I look forward to chapter 10. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.